0: Great leadership is about principles. From our work with hundreds of school leaders, it is clear that those who understand this are the ones who thrive. At Making Stuff Better, we create regenerative spaces. Whether these be through executive coaching, coach training or our group programs, one principle is clear. The principle of belonging comes up time and time again. So with this in mind, here at Making Stuff Better, we are making 2023 the year of belonging. This show is a series of journeys we will take to explore what belonging means in an international school in the 21st century. What does it feel like? How do you create it? What matters most about it? And do we even need it at all in our schools? Join us as we discuss leadership stories from around the globe and uncover what belonging means today and why leaders may need it to thrive. By me, Matt Hall, and my friend and colleagues Jill Kelly and Naomi Ward, powered by Making Stuff Better. Hello folks, just jumping on because we are increasingly being asked by colleagues about how they might create more regenerative conversations in their setting. Similarly, lots of people are asking us about how they might bring coaching into their schools or they may be asking us about how they might train as a coach themselves. Well, with that in mind, I'm delighted that we're going to be running a two-day online training in Prologue. Prologue is our introduction to coaching for educators and it's going to take place on the 6th and 7th of June. It's for you if you know about the power of coaching, you want to bring a more coach-like being and thinking and doing into your leadership, whatever your role in your setting is. I guarantee it will be an enriching personal development experience and you'll really deepen your connection to yourself and to others. So you're warmly invited to join us. We'll be meeting online from 7am to 1pm BST, loads of breaks as we go on the 6th and 7th of June. The link to find out more and to book is in the show notes or you can go to msbprologue.eventbrite.co.uk and as an MSB podcast listener I can say that you will get £50 off if you enter the code MSB podcast as you check out. The training is going to be facilitated by Naomi and Jill who also as you know host the podcast and are really really good at this work. They really know what it is to coach, they really know what it is to work in schools, and the combination of those two things creates a really great training experience. It'll be really good fun, highly engaging, very interactive, and I hope hugely useful to anyone thinking about bringing coaching to their school or just looking to develop their ability as a coach themselves. We hope to see you there, but let's get on with this week's show. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of times, Mel, about belonging being an outcome. Can you just explore that a bit further? What do you mean by that?
1: When I've been thinking about belonging, It falls as an outcome. I don't think I had a conscious thought about it. I think I've been thinking about what we do as a school, when we do have these conversations at school, what we do, what needs to be there in order for our students to feel a sense of belonging. So it always falls at the end of the sentence, which is why I think it feels like an outcome. Because if I think about what does, for me, generate a sense of belonging in our students, the, the actions are not to do with the belonging. So for me, the start point is about self. It's about the student understanding themselves and exploring their identity and being secure with their identity so that when they show up at school, they know who they're showing up as. They know that they they are this person. And then the responsibility of the school as well is to create the space where they can show up as that person and that be accepted and they're known and they're seen. So none of those things to me are belonging as a noun or as a verb. What happens as a result of all of those things being set up, which are actually about different things? Because I think that's about self-awareness and strategies for understanding yourself. They're about relational approaches. They're about using students' names correctly. They're about heads up in the corridor and saying hello. They're about connections. So all of those things, I think, are what generates a culture where a student can belong. And so that's, I guess, what I think about what's necessary to generate this. They're all things that prefix or preempt what then comes out as a sense of belonging.
0: It's really interesting that you talk about belonging to self because often when you look at so many of the models and approaches and the research in this area, you know, a lot of which we are still getting to grips with and and uncovering, that's so often the start point, the belonging to self. And I wonder if that does that raise challenges for teenagers in particular, do you think, knowing thyself?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's interestingly the time when the importance of identity and Agency and finding your way in the world is right there at the same time as heard and fitting or not showing up as yourself is absolutely where the teenagers are. You know the painful self consciousness when they do represent as themselves. Sometimes you feel it. You feel awkwardness. You feel discomfort because our young people are live. You can see it on their skin, this not sitting well in their self because this dynamic, this tension is going on inside them. You said earlier that this is a journey for you in 2023 and good luck with cracking it in 2023 because I think this speaks to what has gone on in their lives. It speaks to everything about how much of a secure base they have anyway coming to us at age 11. It speaks to so many factors, how they're coming in and presenting, irrespective of the fact that in those teenage years, they are grappling with issues of self anyway never mind actually saying, no, this is me and I'm showing up like this. So it's a massive challenge. I don't think it matters how many programs you put in place or how brilliantly relational or how much of a positive culture you have. It's still going to be a tough one to get young people showing up as themselves in the first place.
2: Age old, wherever you are in the world, and then you put layers of cultural layers on top of wherever you are and what context you're in can make that differ. But there's Mm. that thing of we know that the anatomy of the brain doesn't settle down till you're 25. So even at 25, do you really know who you are? And this journey of self-exploration goes on for the rest of your life because things happen. That raises a big question about the impacts of how far can you go? You know, What space, what's the container that you're creating in a school to allow that self-expression and self-awareness to unfold or begin to unfold and they can start the journey. And of course, there's loads of education prior to coming out of secondary school as well. And you mentioned there about, you know, their background. And I wondered also about teachers, because in the international school market, you have teachers arriving and leaving all the time. And I was quite curious about that side of belonging in terms of are you consciously thinking, well, well I'm sure you have, you know, how you onboard teachers, how you make them feel well when they arrive. Is the same attention of detail put onto how they leave to go onto their next job, which could be two or three years later? Don't know what your staff retention is like, but you know you hear statistics around international schools—the average ten years, two to three years of a teacher. So you know I don't know what yours might be, but I'm quite interested in that side of it. How belonging is an outcome of welcoming people in and saying farewell. Well, what goes on at your mm-hmm. place?
1: I think it absolutely. Is. I think there is a modelling actually that as a staff. I would want to nurture in our staff to model what that looks like. And for our new staff, and actually retention's not so much of a problem here. I think in the last couple of years, we have seen quite a large turnover and it tests your culture and it tests the stickiness of how we are when we have a turnover, because either there's a, either there's a cultural momentum with the staff that are less that people quickly hook into, or there isn't, and suddenly practices start to go off on a tangent and aren't then in, in line with our values driven culture, which is the one we want to nurture. So there is a lot of onboarding. There's a lot of connection on actually on offer. So there's quite a bit of connection made between school and with candidate, even prior to arrival. And that's through buddy systems and various oh. things like that in terms of connecting both professionally, but also personally. Cause I think the added. Well, obviously the added challenge being international is that sense of belonging is often under the spotlight and the responsibility of the place where you work, the school community, because that's typically the thing you connect to first and make connections within first. So lots of social and lots of personal type connection and settling and things going on as well as the professional side. And that continues then on arrival and into the first term within our part of the school. We continue that dialogue. More professionally, actually, and we've been reflecting this week around the personal and social connections not carrying on potentially as long as they might have needed to, actually, with some of the feedback we've had. But similarly with leaving, as soon as we know that someone is leaving, that leaving well, the wrapping up, the closing, the what are you leaving behind for us, where's, where there's still a value for voice as well when people leave for us. There's still the fact that they have a voice to contribute until their very last minute and I think, you know, we've not mentioned it yet here, but there's another facet of belonging for me, which is about, it's about your voice and it's about seeing the impact of your voice in your surroundings, your place and what you're doing and decisions that are being made. So I think there's certainly even prior to arrival and as, as late as possible in someone's journey with us, we still want to know what they think about things. We're not suddenly not interested just because you're leaving. And I think what we would try and model that again. It's a culture being set up of inclusion, I suppose, actually. But if, I don't know whether it just boils down to inclusion, but I think that's what we try to set up with staff. And I think that's modeled, therefore, culturally for how we should be behaving with students and how students should be behaving with each other. And because, again, the other side of this is a sense of belonging that peer groups will nurture, not necessarily just being led by staff.
0: There's something I'm really curious about in what you've said. I mean, there's lots there. but one thing that in the international sector, you don't automatically have a sense of as a container for belonging. And often, obviously, you know, if you're born and bred in a town or city and you go to school in that town or city or that countryside or wherever it is, that that place, that often can be the wider net for belonging. So you might go to school and feel like you're not belong, but the minute you walk out of the school door and you go, I don't know. Let's, let's really make an extreme. You go, you go and walk down the lanes that your grandparents did, and back into the house that your mm-hmm. ancestors owned. There's an opportunity to feel like you belong. And again, I'm assuming, but I think I'm not too much of a reach to say that that's a real that that doesn't exist in in many international schools. You know, you are by default as a student or as a member of staff in someone else's context. Does that accentuate the work that needs to happen around belonging in international schools or not?
1: I think it does. I think it doesn't necessarily mean that we have greater concerns or greater issues or it's more difficult because I think it's still difficult anywhere. You know, you can have grown up somewhere your entire life and have generations of your family who've lived in a place and actually be very... On paper, very connected to a place and actually feel very distant from it. But I think what it does do is it makes it a little bit higher stakes potentially because we are the possibilities for where your place might be or your person might be or the flavor of your go to. And I guess when I'm thinking about go to, I always think of crisis or issue. And I I don't know whether that's right, but I'm thinking about that time when I belong here because I know I have a person and I feel safe or I have this place and I have a go-to. We are working in something where I guess there are fewer opportunities or possibilities for someone to articulate what that place or space or person is. But it's just I think it's just a matter of possibilities and more of them might be on the school premises. They might be on our campus and they might be people attached to those young people actually within the school building. But I still think conceptually it's the same thing, whether you're in a place with lots of, of connections or whether you're in a place that you're not feeling so connected to because you're in an international setting. So I think it just makes it smaller, tighter, less varied, but I still think it's the same issues that we've got.
0: I guess related to that, I also think makes me think of the work of the you know, lot of a curriculum and the role of a curriculum in a sense of belonging and kind of this increasing need for students to understand their part in a global system, particularly with the kind of rapid pressure of climate change and this period of globalisation or post-globalisation, as some people are describing it, and perhaps this isn't unique to the international setting, but again, I guess maybe it just leads from what you're saying. Does that show up in the curriculum, that, that kind of that, that desire or that need or that intention to educate children around how they are connected to, to people who they may never come into contact with, there's a sense of kind of global belonging?
1: Yes, it is. It's a, it's actually a massive piece of work at the moment. I'm really relieved and grateful for this. We've been exposed to some thinking, which goes beyond what I think would be the normal approaches to that, which is, you know, in, in geography, I hear a lot. It's really easy to teach global understanding in geography because it just naturally is built in the curriculum. And I would argue that it isn't because. That's just stuff. That's just information about the world. It's not necessarily generating any deeper understanding or connectedness to the world. I think really clever geography teachers do that very well, but it's not built into the curriculum. And we've, there's a, there's particularly something called the compassionate systems framework, which isn't, it's not a curriculum, but it's a framework. And it's, I don't think it's a pedagogy because actually it's a set of tools, which is, you know, Design, they're, they're quite traditional tools like stock and flow diagrams, ladders of inference, you know, identifying your place in the room, how you've shown up today. You know, I feel like a prisoner today, whatever. I'm not saying I feel like a prisoner now on your podcast, by the way. <laughs> but just, you know, there's, there's tools and there's language that the compassionate systems framework provides that then if you, if you are placing on top of that, actually a curriculum, which also attends to global citizenship, as we would call it you've got a much better way of supporting the students to understand complexity and perspective taking and their place within that relative to others within that, I think in a really effective way. Because the other side of that is the global citizenship curriculum. We've got great themes within that. And I actually think this is... It's a massive part of how we are going to get to a point, I think, of having done our best to create a culture of belonging because these five drivers are really what's driving the school as we move forward. And they include intercultural understanding and DEI and fairness and well-being and environmental sustainability. And those five themes, when approached with students through tools that we can derive from the Compassionate Systems Framework, we're looking at something which isn't just Learning about different countries. It is about sitting in a space to understand perspectives and looking at cause and effect, but multiple causes and effects across complex systems. That to me is really key. I think in terms of our students being able to see themselves within the world, which is, you know, that as we said before, a really important start point for generating a sense of belonging in the space where you are. So I think that's, that is absolutely essential and within the curriculum, they've got to be drivers within the curriculum for that to be felt by everybody and not just consigned to a global citizenship lesson, which is not <laughs> the direction we want to go in. It's got to be an approach. And that type of pedagogy, That, that well, some of those approaches within the compassionate systems framework, we've got classroom teachers trying them out in chemistry lessons and, and lots of them going on in history lessons at the moment. So this agility of thinking, this ability for students to to think in a global and a complex and a difficult way, is, it's essential.
0: Yeah. And I think what I can hear you kind of referring to there is that is what we often in our work call the kind of thinking, being and doing. You know, the curriculum can take care yeah. of the thinking. We can know that we belong and it can take care of the curriculum, can take care of the doing, right? There are things we can do to make us feel like we belong or to improve our belonging. But it sounds like what you're getting there is the being, which is how do we create the feeling? How do you allow a student to feel like they belong, and they belong something much bigger, some bigger system than mm-hmm. their immediate tutor group or family or whatever it might be? That's not a straightforward. We'll teach you about the world in geography, and you'll know what it feels like. It's completely embodied, really. It's yeah. We can think we belong, but if we don't feel like we belong, then it makes a difference.
1: Yes. So, you know, some of the tools are reflective tools. You know, at the very basic, the first thing you do is journaling. And as a teacher, when you're learning about this, there's this, there's the staff members who roll their eyes. You also do five minutes of mindfulness because it, it's creating the space inside yourself to be able to clear and settle and then approach some of the more difficult challenges, conversations, processes, whatever it might be. But a lot of the tools are also about self, which is. One of the things I think schools do struggle with when you're trying to teach a class, you know, we have wellbeing classes and that's, it's really difficult to teach wellbeing to a class of 22 students. What does that even look like? But actually some of these tools, I get into some of the the strategies that underpin our students being able to be well because they're generating their own own strategies for doing that. So I'm very excited about the Compassionate Systems Framework and our global citizenship drivers. And I can hear
2: the excitement and passion and looking at it, it's, it's, it looks like a really simple structure, but obviously there's lots and lots of depth to all of it, particularly around you know your own personal anchor and passionate integrity and all of that. Uh, what just popped into my head there, you said you said your second year in running the secondary school, senior school. Clearly, you've got a passion for this and you can see how this is important. And we started talking about how sometimes it's not spoken about explicitly enough I wanted to move on to a bit about your own leadership. And obviously, as the head of the school, you know, you've got everything that you're responsible for and everyone's looking to you for a steer and a, a direction. I wonder, maybe this is, the question is kind of around what might get in the way of you making this explicit or what are the mm. challenges in leading this sort of front on? What's been your experience so far? Has it just been the pace of, as COVID got in the way? I just, yeah, just curious about that, your own leadership.
1: It's interesting because it's a cultural piece, and I think that you actually if you're leading from your values anyway there's actually no there's no barrier to being this you know Matt talked about the feeling and the being there's no barrier to being this and feeling this if that's how you if that's how you are operating anyway i don't see that. That part as generating any barriers really, because I, d- you know, even if you're tested during the day and you're tested a lot as a head, but even if you're tested, if you're behaving in a way that is related to those values and it is it is honouring people's voice and it is providing space and it is generating a sense of safety, if you're living those things, the culture is being nurtured and others are seeing that, and they are taking your lead on that behavior. And and that's the impact you can have and that wider influence because they then will take that behavior forward. So I think that's just about staying really true. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's it's ensuring that every day you're doing that. I think the barriers in terms of some of the more, I guess, the applied part of it, which is the curriculum and the wanting time in the day where students might be able to have a bit of downtime and a bit of reflection time and a bit of non input time to spend some time doing the thinking or the non agendered moments. That's a barrier because that's the tension between the academic curriculum time and we've got we've got outcomes and we've got expectations and we've got absolutely academic academic demands to attend to. We, you know, we want to do a very good job around that, but there's, that's part of the tension. So I think the barrier around creating this during the day, not necessarily geographically, although geographically as well. Where do you do that in the building? But I think there's, it's creating the space for the proper living of it for the student body and the staff body to, to be able to pause and stop and reflect and engage in a way that generates connections because we get caught up in the pace of the day. There's no school that isn't busy. All schools are really busy and I you can get stuck in that. And I think that's probably the main barrier for me that we get on a treadmill and before you know it, four weeks has gone. We've been focused on just the day to day and really great learning and really great outcomes, but we've missed something along that route. So I think that's that for me is the main barrier. Thank you. We need to slow down. It's the coming down a gear that's yeah that's needed I think yeah. sometimes.
2: Thank you. And also being whilst you're on that hamster wheel, you sometimes can lose sight of what your own values are. So I love what you said there at the beginning of that bit there about, about being true. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And sometimes that, can, that in itself can be difficult to get to if you've got something else right in front of your nose and your limbic brain's telling you to do that first and not that thing over there. So yes, it's, I think that goes back to know myself. So that, thanks. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. What I, feels like a good place, an invitation for us to slow down and pause now. And what a good place to finish. We need to slow down. And actually the the first step in all of this, it sounds like is, I think in your words, yeah, creating space, creating space in our days and space in the days of the people we work with. Thanks so much. What a great conversation. Real pleasure to have you here. I think, I think we can go on for hours. Yeah. That's that. <laughs>
1: I'm on a roll now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for coming along with us on this principal journey. To learn more about making stuff better and how we can help you and leaders in your school, please do get in touch through Hello at makingstuffbetter.com. Alternatively, you can find us in all the usual places like LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Links are in the show notes below. And don't forget to subscribe and if you can, leave us a review. That's all for now. See you next time.